Evening, folks. One of the uh, things that I've always kind of looked forward to is being able to be like St. Paul and say this. Uh, greetings from the church in Royston. Your brothers and sisters there send their greetings to you. Um, so I've done that bit, so that's, 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 that's the, the high point over. The purpose of this Reawaken series is for us to explore how we go deeper with our God. And if you remember back a couple of weeks ago, the series commenced with Cyber Brian presenting the purpose of the reawakening program. And I hadn't really heard this much from him and been here a number of years, but it actually talks about the why we do things the way we do them in Rehope. The calling Brian had accumulated in him coming here 16 years ago to Scotland to help bring God's reawakening to the believers of our nation. The vision of God reawakening our land, our cities, our nation, returning Scotland to the Bible-loving Scotland that it once was. The purpose of the series and the focus of Rehope is this, to lay the foundations of long-lasting reawakening, seeing believers become more alive in Christ, having a closer walk with God, through that closer walk, God, seeing their world being transformed by God. Brian talked about three pillars of reawakening that forms the foundations of what we do here in Rehope and the foundations of what should be in your life, and that is the Bible, prayer, and obedience. I'm going to talk about the Bible today. Now, the good news is not all of it, which means you didn't need to bring a sleeping bag after all and everything else. You might still need a sleeping bag, but, but that would be for a different reason. The Bible is a huge subject. Even in human terms, the Bible is special. The Bible has more printed copies of any book on the planet. And quite literally, every time you see a bestsellers list, you just need to put in pencil at the top, the Bible, then everything else follows in every category, right? literally in every category. Um, the, the, the Bible is also recognized in academic quarters and artistic quarters as a great work of literature. So literally, in human terms, the Bible is seen as something special. It also forms the basis of some legal systems across the world, uh, particularly in the West and, and over in the States. And you'll probably seen this in films. If you haven't seen it in films, you've actually done it. Well, uh, I'll not be able to um, speak for you. But anyway, you might have said, I solemnly swear that I will tell the truth and nothing but the truth. And that, you see, on the Holy Bible. So even in legal areas, the Bible is used as something that's about the truth and about telling the truth. The Bible transformed Scotland into one of the most literate countries on earth. In the 17th century, Scotland decreed as a, as a law that every child should be taught to read, to enable them to read the Bible for themselves. And that was, that was, that was very counter to what was going on in Europe uh, at the time. Because here in Britain, the view would be that the monarch, the, the king or queen, would be as high. And your route through to God would be through them because they'd be God-placed. And us Scots said, uh, no, thank you. There is only one sovereign, and that is God. 
So there, there, we have that tradition, um, and sadly, it is now mostly a tradition. And what the reawakening is back is bringing us back to that truth here in Scotland. Today, people are imprisoned and executed for having a Bible. If you're in Southside, there's, a, there, there's an open doors prison, which is a copy of a North Korean uh, prison specifically for uh, uh, Christians. Um, it's about six foot by six foot by six foot. And if you're a Christian, you, it's put in a field, barbed wire around it, and even in this cold weather, they would be just placed there to rot. Uh, that's 65,000 of your brothers and sisters who are in that predicament right now. However, if they're caught with a Bible, it is treason. It's absolutely viewed as treason against the law, and you are executed. The World Watch List, uh, which is run by Open Doors um, and is used across the world by lots of governments, shows a 6% increase in Christian persecution in the last year. The UK government accepts that 250 million Christians are persecuted for their faith in the world today. People risk their lives to smuggle Bibles to believers. Some underground churches share Bibles. And I really like this bit. This is going to put a new spin on BRT for you. So Bible read-through groups, beware. This is what it could be like. They take the Bible, and, and I know people get really upset with this. They, they rip pages out of it because they only have one Bible, and it's secret. And so they put it in their pocket, or they keep it safe, and then they read it that week, and then they meet up in a park or somewhere that's private, and that nobody will recognize them. They have secret codes to know that they are actually Christians, and then they go around and they swap their, their bit of the Bible. Our brothers and sisters in places like North Korea and across the world are literally risking their lives to read their Bibles. So the next BRT meeting you should have, maybe in the park, and maybe you all sidle up to each other and you give your shares from a bit of paper out your pocket to remind us that actually the Bible is so special to our brothers and sisters that they are prepared to put their life on the line for it. So the Bible has a big impact. What we're going to explore today is our relationship, our relationship, your relationship and my relationship with the Bible. Where we spend most of our time is at home, at work, in the neighborhood. And that matters to God. And his mission in and for the world, far from restricting our faith to the personal sphere, Scripture shows us how our lives are bound up with God's plan to restore a broken universe. His unfolding story across the entire Bible forms our minds, fuels our imagination, and fashions our daily life. To explore the importance of the Bible in our everyday lives, we're going to have a look at Psalm 119. The good news is I'm not going to read all of it. So that's the second uh, benefit to you tonight. But I do have a selection pack of verses that I do want us to focus on um, because it talks very much about our relationship with the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, you should open it to Psalm 119 and get the sheer scale of it. It's 176 verses long. Also, the verses will be on the screen. 
So before I start, I'm just going to have a quick drink. Brian, when he talks about things that your voice does go in the fourth event, he laughs all your right. So, here we go. Um, so, 100 and 119 is what we're reading through, and I just need to give you some background to the psalm, first of all. Psalm 119 is an alphabetical acrostic poem, or to me, a very long poem. And it's organized into 22 stanzas according to 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, the aleph to the tav, through to the tav. And that's exactly the same as alpha and omega, right? And there's a concept there that you can see, and that really illustrates really well the entire Bible. The Bible is joined up. It isn't separated. And so when Jesus is declared the alpha and the omega, and the, you know, the, the beginning and the end, the start of the alphabet and the end of the alphabet in Revelation, back here in Psalm 119, it's used to structure the actual psalm. So God is consistent in how he tells his story. And the God of the Bible is not different in the Old Testament and a completely different being in the New Testament. He is the same loving God. And you only know that if you're reading through your Bible, if you're actually getting to know your Bible well. Otherwise, you do think it's a bit of a match of two halves. Throughout this psalm, the psalmist speaks of, of the of following God's law, not as a burdensome discipline, but as a saving grace. He uses many replacement words for law. They include statutes, ways, precepts, commandments, and judgments. And this is partly to fit the poetic alphabet approach that they're doing. There is a structure and a rhythm that's got to go with that. But it partly shows the breadth of Scripture and the beauty of God's word for us. It is a celebration of God's law. And as I was reading through stuff, I was told that Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14, is a summary of the psalm. So I thought, yep, yeah, I better go and read that. Um, so here is my paraphrase of what that said. It says this, um, where the psalmist speaks of God's law as perfect, restoring the soul, trustworthy, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, pure, enlightening, true and righteous altogether. Fabulous. But it has a big crescendo, an important one for you and me. And the crescendo is this. It says, where the psalmist says God's ordinances, God's Bible, are more to be desired than gold. Yes, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the extract from the honeycomb. Frankly, this is the most important possession you can have, is your Bible. And that's what God's saying here. He's saying, you don't need anything more than this. This is the most crucial thing that you can own. So if you're into owning things, make sure the first and most important one is your Bible. Let's read Psalm 119, or at least a bit of it. How happy are those who, whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction? Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 
And you'll, in my version, the word happy, in your version, it might be blessed or blessed uh, are those who walk according to God's ways. Being happy in these verses suggests two things. First, the joy of a life that is on track, a life moving in a soul-satisfying direction, a life that has not been derailed by bad choices. And secondly, a joy that goes beyond the cause and effect relationship of good choices and good outcomes. Although good outcomes are part of that joy, they aren't the soul and the center of that joy. So, and really this is, this is a big telling off to us of, of going, when we're happy, we're happy. Remember, that's a psychological feeling. And when we're sad, we're bereft of God. That is not what the Psalm says. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God's joy is there regardless of your situation. And what this gift from God, this happiness of gift, this joy gift from God confers is a centeredness and a self-assurance in his ways and in your faith in him. And that is incredibly important for your psychology and your heart as a person that God loves greatly. Blessed are those who keep Yahweh's commandments, who seek him with their whole heart. We Christians, so like back in the Psalms, there were loads, there still is in the Old Testament, commandments. But we Christians have commandments that we need to observe. So, and you'll know this, when a scribe asked Jesus what he considered to be the greatest commandments, or the greatest commandment, Jesus answered, the greatest is, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Wow. Now, when we stand up and we shout out, I love that. I really do love us doing that because I can't sing very well, but that I can shout quite well. So, so that was, that, that's a really good thing for me. I really feel getting it out there. But there's a reality here that, that you need to learn, and we need to learn, and I need to learn, is that this is us responding to God saying, we will love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. One of the first things you can do to love God back is to get into his word and read his word and be with him whilst you read his Bible. That is a practical response to this declaration. Point one. Part of loving God back is reading your Bible with your heart, soul, mind, and energy. Some more verses, starting from verse 18. Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instruction. Your decrees are my delight and my counselors. My life is down in the dust. Give me life through your word. I told you about my life, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. These verses talk of a relationship with God, not just simply learning his words. 
Reading the Bible is not an academic exercise. It's an exercise in drawing close to God. It's about intimacy. Just think of the phrases that were there. Open my eyes. Be my counselor. Help me understand your ways. These statements are about relationship with God. It is about intimacy with Jesus. It is about being marinated in the Bible. Right? It's no good to dip in and out. You've got to get it all on and all over. Right? That's the way it's got to be. There is no choice if you really want to benefit from this beautiful gift that God has given us in the Bible. We Christians are also given a little bit of extra help in reading the Bible. Because we have been given the Holy Spirit to help us understand the Bible. No more than that we... No, no, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. It's not about understanding the Bible. It's about actually understanding God. We're given access to get to know God through the Holy Spirit, which is incredible. And it says that in John 14, 26, Jesus speaking, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So, when reading the Bible, invite the Holy Spirit in to read it with you and to counsel you and to show you his ways. It's a great help because if you're not too bright like me, that help is really vital to understand God's word because it is inspired. It is God's word. It is alive. I have had a mini reawakening since coming to Rehope seven years ago, I think nearly eight. Um, Alison and I were pretty active Christians over the past 30 odd years uh, before coming to Rehope. We have seen God at work and we're relatively solid Christians. When we came from air, I had been very involved. We'd been very involved in church. Um, I was involved in church leadership. And we helped to plant the church in air, and we also helped to build one in Bulgaria. Um, but at the same time, I was an MD of a company. Um, so we're quite busy. And, and just a word of warning, all of that works doesn't necessarily mean that your family's going to be in a good place. Right, there is a balance that God expects for you. So I'm not showing off there that that wasn't necessarily good. But what I am saying is that I've seen God at work. And God's been working in my life. So my reawakening wasn't from the pits. It was from just where I was. And what happened to me just not long before we came back to Glasgow was that um, I was with the leadership team. And we had um, a, a, a guy with real prophecy gifting. I'd never met him before, but he was amazing. And so he went around the room and uh, spoke to all the leaders um, and they gave them beautiful words from Jesus. It was, just, it was wonderful. And he came to me and he said, uh, Oh, Alan, Jesus knows how much you love him. Uh, but would you listen to him? And I was like, I was the only one to get into trouble. Everybody else got this wonderful uh, sort of feedback. So when I came here, um, and it, it, was, it was not the most sort of natural move to come to Rehope, because at that time, Rehope was entirely student. In fact, most of the people here were younger than our children. Um, and so we came in as the sort of old grizzly ones um, and uh, just loved Brian's teaching and knew this is where we had to be. And we kind of liked the music as well, that's quite good. Um, but actually, it was all to do with the teaching of the Bible that we were getting. And over the last the, the five years, hence from then, 
I was sitting in here, drinking this in, and listening, and listening, and taking notes. This every week, if you watch me, I was taking notes, and was really excited about everything we were doing. And the only kind of leadership I did was where we we'd run one of the BRTs, and, and always have. Through that BRT, we have seen incredible things, and I'll come on to that a little bit later. But that, that's what we did. And then I retired thinking, well, good news. No, that's not a job. J jumped piece. So as part of that listening, I felt that I had to go off to LICC, London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, and do the leadership toolbox training, which is for senior, senior leaders in business uh, in how to be a Christian in these leadership areas. And it was fantastic. Really loved it. God then said to me, oh, you need to put a chaplain in your work. I went, okay. So we did. And that was transformational. I learned how to take Jesus to the workplace and Jesus to my workplace. And that was transformational in me understanding what the Bible was talking about wasn't me serving in church and being a good Christian at work. It was doing God's work in the ministry he gave me in work. What you're doing today, now. And I'll talk about that a little bit later again. God has given you a ministry that is this moment, not in the future. It's this moment. And it might be in work. It might be in education. It might be a career. It might be parenting. It might be volunteering. It may even be being ill. Your job might be to be ill at the moment. All of these places, God wants to be in your life right now using your gifts in your situation. God knows you are busy, but he wants to help you flourish in your situation. And often we think, once we get better, then God's going to use us. Once we improve. Nope. He wants to use you right now, where you're at. Just let him. So point two. Ask God to help you read the Bible and enjoy his presence. Literally ask him to do that. Because sometimes it can be a struggle. But when God's reading it with you, it's never a struggle. Some more verses. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding so that I can learn your commands. Those who fear you will see me and rejoice, for I put my hope in your word. I know, Lord, that your judgments are just and that you have afflicted me fairly. May your faithful love comfort me as you promised your servant. I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. Your faithfulness is for all generations. Next generation Bible. Jewish. For every generation you established the earth and it stands firm. If your instruction had not been my delight, I would have died in my affliction. You're my shelter, my shield. I put my hope in your word. Suffering and difficult times is a major theme in this psalm, and a lot of psalms, to be honest. The psalmist, uh, we don't know who he was. Uh, some suggest Ezra. When it says we here, yeah, it's obviously a quote straight out of my book of bread. I have no idea, but seemingly it may be Ezra. Um, was living in a hostile environment, 
people were speaking against him. He was repeated, repeatedly being afflicted. And it says this throughout the psalm. Evil men were pers uh, persecuting him. The Bible is clear that godly people are not exempt from trials. Indeed, it's a promise you can count on. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.12. But in all his trials, God's word gave the psalmist stability and comfort. Stability and comfort. And often we hear comfort. That's what we're looking for. It's okay. But it also talks about stability. And stability is about standing strong. And standing in the foundations that God has given you. The rock that he's placed you on. It's not about emotion. It's about positioning you, positioning you in your life where you can be strong. As well as I'm supporting you. As well as I'm counseling you. As well as I'm cuddling you. We need to join the psalmist in affirming both the sovereignty and the goodness of our God when we go through trials. We may not understand God's purpose in our suffering, but we can know and must affirm by faith that he is both sovereign and good. And this is a really important point. And the point is this, is that sometimes you think things are going well, God's blessing us. It's wonderful. Things are going badly, God hates us. It's obvious, you know, because it's going badly. And that is not what the Bible says. It absolutely is not what the Bible says. The Bible says this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Frankly, when it's tough, God's there. When it's good, God's there. I know in the Bible this, that where God is doing a lot of work with his people, they don't want to be there, right? <laughs> uh, uh, the first example, Daniel in prison. How's this for a job description? Well, you'll go into this lion's den. Uh, right, right, that's not a great start to any job description. The second one is job. Hands up. Because Job had an incredible ministry, and he's a big character in the Bible. He is a Bible hero. Hands up if you want to be Job. No, nobody? Really? Job did not have an easy time. I was saying to the, the guys in Royston, I had a big spot in my nose all week, and I was really paranoid about it. And, but, but what did Job get? Boils all over his body, right? So, so you know, you've, you've got to realize that when God's dealing with really difficult things in your life, they can be horrible, but God was there. God stuck with them. And more importantly, in this story, Job stuck with God. Then there's Jesus. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he literally says, Father, you know, is there any way we've really got to do this? It wasn't easy for Jesus to go to the cross. Remember, he's God, and they had this plan. He had to suffer absolutely had to suffer. And he didn't fancy it much, nor should he. God is with us in the most difficult and most wonderful situations. So knowing your Bible can help you see if you're in the right place or in the wrong place because you have made bad choices. Point three. When the going gets tough, 
the tough get the Bible out and use it as a shield and shelter. All right? That's, that's what you've got to do. And, and there's a big thing here because we tend to, and, and Satan uses this, is that when we're down, and it can be because of sin, it can be something that we've done and we've done again and again and again, and you eventually get to the point you can't even go to God with it. You wouldn't let anybody else to know, but you certainly don't want God to know, so you kind of avoid him. Um, and, and actually, that's what Satan wants. Because uh, I haven't got words, but I've got a, a, a sign for you of how our Father in Heaven deals with these situations where you just feel so embarrassed. That's it. Come to me. Come to me. That's what he's looking for. He wants to bring you in and heal you and deal with your issue. Don't be remote from him in, in hard times. There is no safer place. I'm going to tell a story just to illustrate something. This just happened just a few weeks ago, uh, and it's a good lesson for me yet again. A guy called John. There's a thing in um, in the north called uh, Pastors for the North, and it's a prayer meeting that we meet once a month and we all get together. And there's a guy in there called Jim McLaughlin, who's the pastor of Springburn uh, Assemblies of God. Brilliant guy, absolutely incredible. And he's got this guy John, who was a drug addict, became a Christian. And then had a terrible accident, and I, I mean a life-changing accident that has rendered him totally brain damaged to the point where it's as if he's got a stroke all the time. He can't speak properly. He has words, but they don't match a sentence. You know, it's like, okay. So when I met him, and he said, oh, he says, is John's okay? I've taught him he just reads the Bible all the time. And that's the only thing he can do, and I get him fed during the day. So he's a really, really poor soul. So he's in the corner, and we spiritual ones, the pastors, we are sitting around the table t- discussing the kind of things we want to pray about for the north of Glasgow. And he's reading his Bible when he suddenly interrupts us and he says, um, I just want us to look at Acts 2 and you need to see how important it will be for the north for you guys to be just filled with the Holy Spirit and to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work here. And we were aghast. Every jaw was on the floor. And the point I'm making here is the Bible isn't necessarily and doesn't need to be an academic exercise. That was truly a Holy Spirit moment where God used this guy and all his feebleness beautifully. And that he got right to the nub of it because it was God that was speaking, it wasn't him. Incredible. So good old John. Going back to the Psalms, the Psalm. Your judgments stand firm today. For all things are your servants. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your instruction. The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. Let my cry reach you. Lord, give me understanding according to your word. We don't all study the Bible to become Bible scholars. Nor do we study it to simply learn and follow its moral moral instruction, although we obviously should do that. We study the Bible to seek God himself. The word of God brings us into spiritual life, John 3, 5, John 1, 18, 1 Peter 1, 23, and sustains us in that life when our hearts grow cold. Since God is the author of life itself, his word has living life-giving power, both to bring the spiritually dead person to life and to renew the believer. 
The constant reading of your Bible is not to earn your salvation. Jesus has done that. He said, it is finished. It is complete. It's beautifully complete. God views you right this moment and, believe it or not, me as being perfect. Only through Christ is that possible. We are not perfect. The point here is to grow in your relationship with God, leading to you making more good decisions in your life with God. Revel in the truth, the absolute truth. And I love this verse, John 3, uh, John 8, 32. And it just says, as in 30, as Jesus spoke these things, many believed in him. So he said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Bible is absolute truth. Point four, the word brings us into a living relationship with a living God. We also get direction from it. Back to the psalm. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The revelation of your words bring light and give understanding to the inexperienced. We all have to make hundreds of decisions that determine the outcome of our lives. Some are minor and some are major, but they all clump together to shape our lives. In the complex world in which we live, we desperately need God's wisdom for making sound decisions. There's a lot of kind of interference going on. Uh, and I'm one that's, in, that's um, grown into the cyber world, to the connected world. Uh, most of you have been born into it. Uh, so you're nearly just kind of plugged in. Um, I had to kind of learn a bit about it. But one of the things I note is that when we use electronic devices, and I do, to read our Bible, we keep getting distractions, everything from Marks and Sparks has a, a, has a sail on um, through to, more important to me, there's a mountain biking thing going on. Uh, but the bottom line here is, is that you need to spend time with God on your own and not distracted by the world and its connectivity. This connectivity also means there's thousands of influences on you. And you've got to keep God's influence being the, the number one in that hierarchy. It has to be number one. Otherwise, you will lose your way. And that's why reading the Bible and spending that time and asking God to, to um, show you uh, the, the, the words that he wants to give you is so important. God's word is a source of light. It shows us the path of God's wisdom so that we don't fall over in the dark. In verses 105 and 130 that I just read, this kind of wisdom does not come by neglecting the word until a crisis hits and when they when opening it up in an emergency, and, and I see this as like, the, you know, the defibrillator that you see around the place, you know, on the wall, and you go running over and you take it over, and you, I'll get this spiritual life going, and then, then you're, you're restored. It doesn't work like that. You've got to be marinated into it. You've got to be, be swimming in it. It's not something you can just take off the shelf. And there's, a, there's an apocryphal story, which I really like. And this is this guy who really, really liked his Bible, but he decided to use the, the point, the eyes closed point approach of, 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 of guidance. And this is what happened to him. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty good. So he said, um, right, God, tell me what you've got to say. I'm going to point, opens his Bible, points it. And he opened the Bible at random and pointed to a verse that said, Judas went and hanged him. Himself. And he thought, ah, better try again. So he pointed again at a verse and said, 
Go thou and do likewise. And he thought, this can't be what God wants for me. I'll try once more. And he pointed once more to a random verse that says, what thou doest, do quickly. Right? And uh, so, yeah, not the best outcome for his wisdom and direction request. But the reason for that is that he's not marinated in the word. He's just using it as a lucky dip or a, um, or a, a horoscope. That is not what the Bible's for. Absolutely isn't. So my dad was in the Second World War and he got a Bible and he, he always had it in the car, always stayed in the glove compartment of every car and it was really important to him. But it never was opened. It never was opened. So it was a talisman or something like that. A lucky charm. And lucky charms are not what the Bible is. It's the living word of God. Recently, last month, um, and just to demonstrate that God talks directly to you in the Bible, we were reading through the BRT thingies and uh, reading in Genesis. And it was the story of Joseph. And I love the story of Joseph because it's, um, it's, it's about an official, as you know, Joseph rises to the very top, great businessman. You know, it's, it's, it's all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I like this. God using business skills. Yeah, it's great. And then I read uh, this time, and it said this, and we were praying up in Royston about being accepted into the community, being able to work with really difficult situations, difficult people, without us getting beaten to a pulp or, uh, or ignored or anything else like that. And this is what this verse, couple of verses says. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. And he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. And there's the most difficult situation. And we were kind of, it was just, just jumped out the page at me, is that that's what God's got in store for Royston, is that we'll be able to be there under his protection. And we are starting to see that. I could go on with a number of jokes from Royce at the moment for some great stories and meeting the, the, the locals there. I won't because it's not the place to do it, but do come up later and I'll tell you them. But the bottom line is this, is that God is teaching me in that situation. That was direct teaching to me. So there's a beauty, and I'm hoping this isn't heresy, but the Bible, the Bible is for us all and for God's bride church it brings us together it builds us up as one we are one body but also our bible is personal it's for us right so i'm not saying you'll get a different gospel you won't but you will get absolutely specialist support for your life it is alive it was a direct answer to prayer, and we asked God, and he told us what he's going to do. He's going to be there. He's going to be covering us. Fantastic. Point five. God's direct direction in your life comes from a continuous reading of his Bible and allowing the Holy Spirit to counsel you. In summary, you'll be glad to know we're nearly there. The Bible is a foundational priority for us to have a deeper relationship with God. If we are to lay the foundations of a long-lasting reawakening, each of us must make the Bible a priority in our lives. We are new creations. God breathes physical life into Adam. And he wants to breathe spiritual life into you. 
the Greek for inspired word of God is actually better translated as God breathed. And this is my bit, so I hope you like it. This is my bit. I, I made this up. It's probably been done a thousand times before, but I like it. Let's get filled with God's spiritual oxygen. As humans, don't get oxygen, we go blue, heal over. Right? Don't get God's oxygen, same thing. We can't live properly and we heal over as Christians. So get some spiritual oxygen um, and, and you'll be in a good place. Because his teaching is truthful. His healing is real. Let us grasp the opportunity to grow in Christ. If we want to see a reawakening and revival, prioritizing time spent on reading your Bible is essential. It isn't just something you can throw into your day. You've got to put priority on it. You've got to mean it. Because if you're not intentional, it just won't happen. You're too busy for it just to be slotted in. So you need to make it a priority. This message is primarily for those who have given their life to Jesus. However, you may want to know more about Jesus. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're just visiting. You're going, what on earth is this about? Um, but if, if there's something happening at the moment, you're going to need to know more. Over to the welcome part at the end, and, and the core team will help you. Go one step further. Go up for prayer. Right? God wants to introduce you. There's a lovely thing. I, one of my heroes is Desmond Tutu. And I know he doesn't go without his, his issues. But the bottom line is this. He says this lovely thing. He says, we are God's children. We are God's children because we're the church. We know that. We understand that. But he says, but God loves as much his other children. They just need to get to know him. So if you're in a situation that you are one of God's children, because you are, but you don't know him as your personal God, you don't know Jesus, please come to the, the front. and Not during the service. You don't need to put your hand up or anything like that. But maybe you want to come over at the end and, and get, some, get some help. Now the practical bit, because this is rehope. That means you need challenges, and so I have challenges. Here they are. The first one's a prayer. I want you to pray, Father, please give me the physical and emotional strength to spend time in your words so that my life can reflect your amazing son, Jesus Christ. That's the first one. You can have that done by tomorrow, please. Um, to make a space in your day to spend time with God reading your Bible, you need to be intentional. Ask God to speak to you through his Bible. Don't be scared. He will speak. But you have to ask. Join a BRT group. Make that a life priority. And our BRT group that's been going has been quite transformational. And there's one of our people in there at the moment, a, a woman. Um, she is literally in front of our eyes. We're seeing her being transformed by God. It's miraculous stuff that's been happening in our life, um, uh, which is fabulous. God works through us being together and sharing the, the Bible. So being a BRT, you need to be. And then finally, and this is an advert, listen to Brian's podcast on the reawakening series. I have, and they're good. It is worth listening to. Let's finish in prayer.